Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Incline listeners, looking to start your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Now, you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can have it heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's Let's ride. for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's up, Dodger fans? Thank you for tuning in to another week of The Incline, your top Dodgers podcast out there, I guarantee it. This is Kevin Klein. I'm joined by Jake Reiner and David. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Dodgers doing right. started off hot. Yeah, we got a great episode today. Dodgers did start off hot, but if you followed the team the last two days, they ended up splitting with the Giants, and we kind of referred to it last weekend that the Giants are just a terrible team. So overall, it's pretty disappointing that they split with the San Francisco Giants. But we got a great show today. We have an interview with the Dodgers' top prospect, Josiah Gray. That'll be a little bit later in the episode. But first, we just want to recap the Giants series. So I want to get your guys' takeaway of what's gone down so far. Well, I just, I just want to say right off the bat that we talked about how embarrassingly, embarrassingly bad the Giants are. They still are embarrassingly bad, which makes this split even worse. But I do want to point out that Kevin was the one who said, despite them being so bad, they always give us trouble. And they did. For some reason, we could not figure out their pitching staff. I, couldn't, I can't even remember any of the pitchers that pitched against us. That's how nameless they are. They didn't have nobody in their lineup except for Carl Yastrzemski's grandson. I, I don't even know where to begin. But the, but the thing is, is that we, ended up, we end up splitting with this team. And it's not like you have the luxury of a 162-game season where you can look at it and say, oh, well, we'll get them next time. Every game counts even more with the 60-game schedule. And I don't know if that's sunk in for Dave Roberts yet. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
I stand by everything I said about the Giants roster last episode. Uh, it is so bad. It's basically just 30 Gerardo Paras, um, and the Dodgers traditionally are slow starters, and that held true uh, in this series. That's, that's basically what it come down to. I mean, the top guys haven't got it going yet. Uh, they only have one. Justin Turner is about the only one who's really hitting well right now. Uh, Bellinger's hitting 235, and Betts is hitting 150. Uh, so if there's no offense, they're not going to win games. Uh, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. The, the key to the Dodgers' success this year is, is the offense. Uh, the pitchers pitched pretty well overall. Uh, Alex Wood struggled a bit, but, um, you know, May pitched great, obviously. Stripling pitched really well. Uh, and Arias pitched pretty good. Um, so once they start scoring runs, they, they won't have this problem anymore. Uh, it's, it's, it's frankly, it's that simple. It's, it's the offense needs to score at least five runs a game and they'll, they'll be the best team in baseball. Yeah. Well, the quest for the giants path to 20 wins looks a lot more reasonable now, but moving we'll past, moving still, past I'm that still holding out for 12. So my takeaways, you know, I thought the Dodgers, they did really good. The first two games. I mean, Kike Hernandez had it himself a night. He had five RBIs and a home run. And then yeah, Ross Stripling, as you just mentioned, he pitched seven strong innings of one-run ball. He had like seven strikeouts. He looked like he was ready for game, the game mode. And then the last two nights, it was just a train wreck. The last game in particular, they were one for nine with runners in scoring position. They were facing Drew Smiley, who had like an ERA of nearly seven last year. Mookie Betts, batting 150, but I'm not too concerned about him. Cody Bellinger... You know, the swing is still not looking that great, but he did have that good RBI driving in Mookie Betts. But, I mean, other than that, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Dave Roberts batting Max Muncy leadoff mm-hmm. and Mookie Betts second. So I want to get your guys' thought on that. I just think it's, it's, it's painful because it, obviously what he's trying to do is stagger left, right, left, right. So with this new three-batter minimum rule, that the pitcher has to face at least one right ear, one left ear, however it shakes out. But that's kind of the idea of it. I think it's ridiculous. You've got Mookie Betts on your team, one of the best players in baseball. You're telling me he can't hit left-handed pitching or he can't hit right-handed pitching? You're telling me Max Muncy can't hit right-handed pitching and left-handed pitching? This whole lineup can hit either left-handed pitching or right-handed pitching with the exception of Jock Peterson. And we saw him start to actually hit some lefties in these intra-squad games. So the whole concept is flawed, but let's say for the sake of argument that, okay, we're going with this sort of, you know, lefty righty, lefty righty thing. Then what the hell happened in the bottom of the eighth inning of Sunday night's game with Kike Hernandez at the plate, you've got three lefties on the bench, Matt Beatty, Jock Peterson, and Edwin Rios and Roberts decides to leave Kike in against Tyler Rogers. Now I, I thought maybe, Oh, maybe Kike has good numbers against Rogers. Not the case. The dude's only been in the, in the league, you know, one to two years. So he doesn't have any history with him. Just the, I, I don't understand. So if you are, if you're going to be that vigilant and have Max Muncy, who has no business leading off, he's so he's, he's too slow to lead off. If you're going to go that route, then you got to continue doing it and put in the players that are going to succeed in those situations. I, it made absolutely no sense to me. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build off that. The two, the two biggest threats to the Dodgers this season are hitting with runners in scoring position and Dave Roberts. That's it. Not other teams, 
Those two things are the biggest concerns for if you're a Dodger fan. Let me tell you um, what their batting average right now with runners in scoring position is. Since I'm, I'm actually keeping track. It's actually 256, but if we looked at the last two games, it's probably below 100. Yeah. In the series alone, in four games, they left 42 men on base. 42. I mean, it's that's – that's not okay. And, and I agree with Jake. I, I don't think Kike Hernandez should have hit in that situation. Um, I mean, you have Jock Peterson, Rios, and Beatty for a reason. Yep. Uh, and I, I, I don't understand this fascination with, with Roberts going left, right, left, right in terms of the batting order. I, I mean, it, he says it's to counter pitching changes, but it seems like he hasn't got the memo that there's a three batter minimum this year. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to do that this year. You put bets at the top. Worry about the rest later. Don't worry about left, right, left, right. It's stupid. Like, and then again, agreeing with Jake, if you're gonna if you're gonna go by the numbers, then don't then don't come after the game and say, well, I like you know Taylor Rogers. Taylor Rogers isn't a isn't a righty killer. Uh, well, if you're gonna go with the numbers, then you're gonna bring in Jock Peterson, who had a plus nine hundred OPS against righties last year. You can't have it both ways, Dave. You either go with the numbers yeah. or you go with your gut, not, not pick and choose here. Dave Roberts' famous line he always uses is, I liked Kike in that spot there. Yeah. Or I liked Kershaw in that spot there. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, you got to say that because you made the decision, but it just doesn't make it any – doesn't make it make sense any more than that. I, it's just, oh, God. No, there's yeah. nothing he can say to, like, you know, cover his bases. And I, I get what he's doing to, to protect the player in that situation, but he needs to just stop – doing what he's doing it's it's that simple I Matt mean, Beatty who was kind of the clutch bat off the bench last season didn't get seen a single at bat and Edwin Rios who had a pretty you know respectable summer camp blasting those three home runs he only was given one at bat so it's a little too early to get into this but I'm just gonna say I miss the NL rules because for a guy like Roberts and the Dodgers, our advantage came with the bench, and now it's kind of starting to look like he's more relying on who's in the game as opposed to going very matchup-heavy focused. Yeah, I mean, it, it's got to be frustrating if you're, if you're a, a player like, you know, Beatty or Peterson where the numbers favor you and, and your manager is still not playing you. I mean, it, but- it can't be fun. It made, it made no sense to me because last year, I feel like Roberts did this all the time where he would take out Kike or take out Chris Taylor or take out Peterson the other way. I just, it made, I, I it went against everything that he's accustomed to doing. I'm not really sure. It's not like he, it's not like he had like a really like solid answer as to why he let, why he let Kike Hernandez hit there. And look, the Dodgers had a number of other opportunities to, to win that game yesterday, and they didn't. We talked about all the runners they left on base. Yep. We talked about one for nine with runners in scoring position. So it doesn't, doesn't all hinge on that. But the problem is, is that Dave Roberts is making these decisions right now like as if he has 162 yes. games to play with. So that's the problem. You got, you've got a Monday morning quarterback off these games. It's, it, it's, it's sort of like the equivalent of an NFL season – for baseball when you only have 60 games to play with. And now you're split 2-2. You're going to Houston. And instead of being up 3-1 or 4-0, now you've got to really commit and really, uh, you know, you're, you're playing with your backs against the wall almost instead of this sort of comfortable momentum we, we should have had going into Houston. Yeah, look, it's 
For me, I'm in the camp of it's a 60-game season, so it's only been four games. Uh, but if he's doing this at game 20, then we have a problem. I'm not going to panic. The Dodgers are going to be fine. There's expanded playoffs this year, even if they – and there's no real true advantage besides playing at your home ballpark to being the division winner. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, they're going to make the playoffs. I will stake my reputation on that. Um, but <laughs> – it's, it's more of a concern that Roberts is going to do this later on in the season. And no one can feel good about it, the Dodgers in a, in a three-game series with Roberts at the helm and, and the hitters not delivering with, with runners in scoring position. Nobody can feel good about that, no matter how good this yep. team is. It's scary. I was going to just say real quick, just, real quick, just to calm down all the Dodger fans who might be a little tense right now, Last season, in 2019, the Dodgers started off the year 8-8. Eight and eight. They ended up finishing 41-19 and 19 over that 60-game span. And mm-hmm. if you're worried about making the postseason right now, well, just to refresh you guys with the rule change, if you finish first or second in your division, you automatically clinch a ticket to the postseason. And then the next two teams after those three divisions will also be making the postseason. So there's definitely a lot of breathing room for the Dodgers. Okay, so go ahead, Jake. Yes, there is, there is a lot of breathing room, and we shouldn't be you know, going DEFCON 5 on, on all of this right now. But to, to David's point, I, I, it makes me really nervous, Dave Roberts, in a short series. Because, yep. you, because you could have you, – you can build an offense to build out – uh, you can build an offense to bail out your pitching staff, right, which I think is what the Dodgers have built. This offense is built – to bail out Alex Wood, to bail out Julio Urias. Like, that is what this is designed to do. And when they don't uh, uh, perform, it's not like it's an unforced error. It's just, it's just baseball, and that's what happens. With Dave Roberts, these are unforced errors. These are errors that every person on Twitter last night, before he, Kike even came up, people were saying, oh, he's, he's probably going to have Beatty here or Edwin Rios or Jock Peterson. It's just these time and time again of these unforced errors, and it just makes absolutely no sense. And I don't understand how, how millions and thousands of fans can be sitting there first-guessing Roberts. It's not second-guessing him. We've, we first-guess him, yeah, and we're usually right. And let me just say, if, if Pollock didn't hit that double in the ninth inning last, last night, that would have been World War Three on the timeline in terms of Dave Roberts. Because I didn't even think Pollock should hit in that situation with all those guys on the bench. Yep. Um, but now that's just more validation for Dave, you know, thinking that he, he's making the right calls when the numbers suggest otherwise. All right, we got our lone question on Instagram. And this is a perfect follow-up to what you guys were just talking about. This is from the Sports Takeaway who's saying – I don't see a lot of weaknesses on the Dodgers, but if there is one, what do you identify it and how do you expect Freeman to address it at the deadline? Are there any specific trade targets? For me, it's starting pitching right now. Um, we haven't seen Walker Bueller yet. Kershaw is nursing the back injury. Uh, Wood did not look great. And Dustin May looked pretty damn good. Uh, but uh, it's got to be the start. If you got to pick one, it's going to be the starting pitching. Uh, Friedman's got a little less than a month or around a month to possibly make a trade, uh, which I could see him doing at this point. Um, it's not going to cost a lot to get a starter for, for 30 games total. So that's like four or five starts. It's not going to cost a lot. 
In terms of trade targets, I can't really put one down right now because we don't know who's going to be looking to looking to sell yet. Uh, we will know a lot more in two weeks. Um, but enough. if they're not trading for anything other than pitching, though, their offense is set. Yeah, I can't agree with you more on that. <laughs> it's it's starting pitching, and if it were up to me, it would be a new manager. But that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The irony of everyone saying starting pitch, pitching now. I think Jake was on my side with this one, but I said a couple weeks ago when David Price opted out, I was like, yeah, the Dodgers are going to have to go out and find a starter. I don't know why fans were saying we don't need David Price. We absolutely did need David Price. And Alex Wood just showed us the other day, if he can't pitch well against the San Francisco Giants, I don't know how I'm supposed to expect him to pitch well on the road in Arizona or in the World Series for that matter. When when David Price when David Price opted out, we didn't know Jimmy Nelson was going to be out for the season. We didn't know that Kershaw was going to miss opening day. So Gonsolin and and well. Gonsolin, where the heck is he? I don't yeah. care how Gons- ready or yeah. not ready he is. He should be on the team. But that's my. I mean, you know. So yes, in 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 hindsight, yes, of course we need David Price. We in fact, I I think David Price would be the best option on the market of any of the pitchers out there. If you if you ask me. So, yeah. Uh, honestly, yeah, I, 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 think it's, I think it has to be pitching. So my final thoughts to close this out, and then I'll give it to you, David. My trade target, I said him a couple weeks ago, I think Mike Miner is going to be that guy. And with Corey Kluber just getting shut down yesterday with the strained shoulder, it kind of looks like the Rangers season is already over before it barely got started. And Tony Gonson, I'm glad you guys brought him up. Why wasn't this guy on the – opening day roster to begin with. I know he was a little late, but even if you give him one or two innings out of the bullpen, he's going to be a better option than Dennis Santana, who just looked terrible against the Giants. He was giving up a lot of hard contact in the summer camp games. And between double A AA and triple A or just triple A, he had a 684 ERA. So how does this guy make the major league roster? Yeah, it's early for me to be, you know, picking on these guys. So I'm going to let it play out over the next week week to two weeks i'm gonna give each guy in the rotation one more start before i make a, a final judgment but one one final point I, I do want to bring up last night we saw dave roberts bring in adam Kolarik with one man out uh and one man on first base uh and it was against the lefty but with the three batter minimum uh and a righty coming up next dave roberts essentially hinged on the fact that he needed Kolarik to get a ground ball double play to end the inning uh he didn't he got a fly out but with the new rule uh, he eventually gave up a single and, and a run because he had to face three batters. So Dave Roberts can't be doing that. That's playing Russian roulette with Adam Kolarik, and he did basically the same thing with Scott Alexander, although it worked out. Uh, but, you know, these guys, these, these lefty specialists and Dave Roberts is not a good pairing. It's really not. I mean, Dave is on, Dave is on notice for me. It's four games in, and I, I'm, he, I, let's, let's relax, Dave. I mean, he needs to get, his, he needs to get it together. All right, enough talk of the Giants. This, I hate this team more than any team, even the Astros. Losing to them is the most frustrating thing in the world. We got an exciting interview now with the Dodgers minor league pitcher of the year and the number three prospect overall in their farm system. It's right-handed pitcher Josiah Gray, and here's David. Uh, so we're lucky to be joined today uh, by Dodgers prospect Josiah Gray. Uh, from New York, second round pick of the Reds. Uh, if you don't know him, uh, you're going to get to know him pretty soon here with the Dodgers. Uh, in his minors career, he's gone 13-4 and four with a 237 ERA and 182 innings. 
with 206 strikeouts. Uh, Josiah, welcome, and how you doing today? Doing good. Just watching the Dodger game, um, as most of us probably are, but doing well uh, out here in L.A. Been practicing at the alternate side the past couple of days and, you know, kind of just staying ready for whatever happens. Awesome, man. Jake, you want to start off with some questions? Sure, man. So I just, I'm just curious because we know you are in the 60 player pool uh, for, for the Dodgers this year. What, if anything, have they told you about your role this year and how do you stay ready to, to pitch whenever they call you? I think the role is kind of just like uh, whatever, what they're telling everyone else is kind of just stay ready. Don't, we don't want to lose this year of development, whether we use you or not at the big league level. So continue to work, continue to get your innings in, continue to face hitters. And, you know, if there is a situation where they need us and they, they see that, uh, that need up there for us to come and make an impact, we're all going to be ready because we're consistently getting work in at USC and, and kind of just staying ready for whatever they might throw at us. Obviously, this is unprecedented and we don't have the, the minor leagues this year. Can you kind of talk about how, how strange it's been or, or, or has it not been strange? I don't, I'm not sure. Can you kind of describe it for us? What's it been like? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it's been, it's been as strange as, as it's playing through the media because with going home, with everything shutting down in March and it kind of going through loops of we're going to have baseball, we're not going to have baseball. And then going through it now, present day with all the protocols and everything, it's, it's really interesting to see, how everything's getting done, but you know, there's there's 30 or so guys out here just staying ready, um, doing what we have to do, and it's kind of it's messed up that you know a lot more guys can't be out here, but you know that's what was agreed upon, and and kind of you have to you have to roll with it and and make the most of it. You know, not too long ago, Dustin May was in your position, sort of you know not on the. The, the main roster, and then all of a sudden Kershaw gets hurt. He has to go and pitch opening day. It kind of happened all, it seems, in one fell swoop. Um, seeing him getting the call that quickly and having to kind of be thrown into the action, does that kind of prepare you for what you may have to do? Yeah, absolutely. And knowing Dustin uh, over the past couple months and throwing with him and working out with him, uh, he was as prepared for the moment as anyone could be. So uh, in seeing him do that and him pitching well, it kind of puts it in perspective for me as well that that could be me, say a guy gets scratched for a late game and, you know, they need me to go up there and, and throw a couple innings. You know, that, that possibility is something that can actually happen this year. So uh, whether it happens or not, I'll be ready and I'll kind of go out there and just have that same mentality and, and get it done. Awesome. And one, one final question before I send it back to David. So you were traded to the, to the Dodgers before the 2019 season. It was a big blockbuster trade with the Reds. Yasiel Puig, Matt Kemp, Alex Wood, Kyle Farmer were involved. You and Jeter Downs come over to the Dodgers. I'm just curious, you know, now actually it's interesting that Alex Wood is back with, with the team. Are there any uh, veteran pitchers like that that you have sort of um, warmed up to or gotten some advice from? Yeah, yeah. I would say in spring, David Price was definitely a guy I uh, I started to interact with a little bit more just because of he's had so many years in the big leagues. You know, I'm, I'm still waiting to crack the big leagues. And also he he kind of tells you things as they are. And, you know, being a African-American pitcher that it relates even more. Um, so he's a guy I've stuck around a little bit and and I've heard tidbits from everyone else. But I would definitely say David Price is, is a guy I know I can rely on um, 
when when things are going tough and you know when things are also going well sweet that's great okay so you mentioned you're at the you know the alternate training site at usc so take us through like a the average day there what are, do they have you throw on simulated games scrimmages you know when you're not playing what what are you what are you guys up to over there yeah, yeah, you said it. It's it's mostly sim games. Go in, get your work in. Uh, everyone's going to be on there. There's certain days scheduled for pitchers and hitters are obviously going to hit whenever um, and do their work, and they're going to hit off the pitchers. It's it's more or less kind of like spring training, but they don't want to make it seem mm-hmm. like it's spring training. Right. So you're going there, and we're just honestly we're just staying ready and doing what we have to do on that certain day. So a lot of sim games, a lot of live BPs. Um, I don't know if we're ever going to do inner squads. I'm not sure what the numbers we have right. in terms of position players. But, yeah, it's 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 relaxed. But also, you know, it's competitive because guys want that shot at the big leagues this year. Definitely. Um, okay, so shifting gears a little bit. Did you have a, a favorite player or team growing up? I know you, you know, you're from New York, uh, but is there anyone, you know, that you've molded your game after to, uh, you know, or anything, you know, along those lines? Yeah, as a kid, I grew up a Yankee fan. I, I, was, I grew up about 25 minutes from Yankee Stadium, so I went to a couple mm-hmm. Yankee games as a kid. So growing up, uh, naturally, Derek Jeter is, is someone that comes to mind just because of how he played, and I also played shortstop. So it, it just went hand in hand. And yeah. then as I started to grow up and you know started to play a couple more positions, learn about the game more and, and kind of like the guys I see myself in, I saw Mike, Marcus Stroman off the bat being two-way player turned pitcher um, you know not the tallest I'm a little taller than him but not the tallest but going out there every fifth day and you know being a competitor and and just giving it all for your team and you know that's who I saw myself as um, to this day. That's great how's your K-strut you're gonna have to live up to some (laughs) Stroman K-struts there. Yeah, yeah, I got to get up there and and figure something out. But uh, yeah, yeah, he's 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 something else. You know, he's going through some unfortunate luck right now. But I'm as excited as ever uh, to watch him pitch. You know, and it's interesting because these last couple summers, I'm so accustomed to playing ball games late at night and not being able to watch the big league guys. But Mm -hmm. it's now I can watch them and and see them go to work. So it's pretty cool. Definitely. All right, I'll let Kevin. Kevin, you want to get a word in? Yeah. So I know it was unofficial, but you did kind of have a taste of the big leagues just a week ago in that exhibition game against the Angels. So I wanted to know what was going through your head before that start and what was it like to face Mike Trout? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I've gotten that question a lot. Uh, Honestly, going into that start, I just wanted to stay confident. No, I knew I was facing a good lineup. There was there was no questions about that. So I just wanted to you know, stick to the simple steps, step, simple steps of the game. So get ahead, uh, throw off speed for strikes, work with the scouting report we have on all the guys and kind of just let my stuff play in the zone. So I was pretty successful with executing all that. You know, I, I definitely want to work on the command a little bit more in that adding um, because, you know, at this level, you're going to have to throw a lot more pitches in the zones because guys are not swinging at everything. So just bouncing off that and then also facing Trout, it's it's a guy that, you know, is kind of like larger than life in this game. But seeing him up there at the box, I tried to stick with that simple approach, get strike one, uh, let my stuff play against him and 
you know, once it released my hand, it was, it was out of my control and kind of just work from there and, and try to get as many outs as I could against them. Nice. Well, you pitched very well that game. It was awesome to see. Appreciate it. And then I'm just kind of stealing someone else's question, but what kind of tunes are you listening to these days and what would be your walkout song? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a big Travis Scott fan. So everything, Travis Scott, um, juice world, all, all like the new stuff future and my walkout song, man, I haven't even thought about that, but it'd probably be something mainstream from Travis Scott. So anything like antidote or sicko mode or something like that. Um, just because of how big a fan I am. Okay. Staying on that topic. During quarantine, are are you a video game guy? Or what do we got? Call of Duty, MLB The Show. How are you keeping busy when, you know, baseball was all shut down? Yeah, yeah. That honestly was what I was doing when I was away from the field. Yeah. Uh, playing MLB The Show and Call of Duty Warzone. So okay. it was, it was kind of just alternating between the two. Uh, and then I'd mix in a Netflix episode here and there. Here and there. Uh, but, yeah, it was – that was as action-packed as it was when I wasn't getting my work in. Yep. You get any victories in Warzone? Yeah, I got about seven or eight, but I haven't played recently because uh, the Wi-Fi here isn't the greatest. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, allow, it allows me to only play the show, which, you know, I'm not upset about. Right on. Jake, you got anything else? Yeah, I got a couple uh, fun questions for you. One is um, – You've gotten some, you know, to spend, you've gotten, you know, a little bit of time to spend with the, the big league club. Is there anybody that kind of sticks out in your mind that's sort of like a, a weird character or someone that's like the, the funniest guy on the team, in your opinion? Uh, honestly, everyone is like unique in their personalities. I would say everyone kind of knows how much uh, Joe Kelly is like a jokester. You know, when it's time to get things done, he's as confident as fiery as they come um so i would say him he comes to mind first but everyone all the pitchers everyone has their own personalities stripling's a good guy to be around just because of how light he is um, but also how much knowledge he knows in, in his time in the game uh, kershaw uh, blake trinan you know the list goes on and on but everyone's unique and everyone's uh, a really good person to be behind and this is a question just for me personally, because I went to Syracuse. I know you went to Lemoyne. Uh, what's a spot that you uh, like to hang out there in Syracuse? Did you have uh, a, a place that you like to go there to hang out? Yeah, yeah. There was, uh, you know, we didn't go to many of the same spots, um, like downtown or, or in a Marshall's, Marshall Street or whatever. But Mulvaroonies was probably the, the number one spot uh, for my time there. You know, that's where all the young kids went. Um, you know, I miss it to this day, but yeah, that was probably the spot. A lot Did of you ever go to there. Chuck's? I never went to Chuck's. Um, I wasn't, it, it honestly, uh, Lemoyne people never went there. So I never was, uh, inclined to want to go there, but I've heard good things. Yeah. I've, I've heard bad things too, but so <laughs> you're, you're probably better off not going. <laughs> yeah. All right. My last question for you. You have to pick one all-time favorite movie. What is it? All-time favorite movie. Uh, Life. It's by Martin Lawrence and Eddie Murphy. Came okay. out in the 90s. Um, I watched it all the time as a kid. We had it on DVD. And I actually just watched it a couple months ago for the first time since I was a kid. 
and you know, I still died laughing. Uh, and it would, it honestly, uh, if you look at look at that movie, you're like, wow, like this is, this is this could be a movie that could come out today. You know, you, you could still get some laughs out of it. So that's probably my all time favorite. Great. Do you guys have any right. final questions? All right, one last question. You've been getting to spend some significant time out here in Los Angeles. I just want to know what have you been digging about it? Uh, honestly, we don't really do much outside of, uh, you know, we're kind of in our own quarantine bubble. Yeah. Uh, but I would say we benefit most from the weather. Uh, the weather has been absolutely outstanding and it hasn't rained any of the days I've been out here. It's been sunny, 75 plus. Uh, so, you know, that makes it a little bit easier to go to the ballpark every day, uh, wake up, get your work done because you know, the vibes outside are, are pretty good. All right, I lied. This is my last question. Tread, <laughs> tread carefully on this answer. Have you had in and out and do you like it or do you not like it? <laughs> uh, I've had it a couple times. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of cut in the middle. <laughs> I don't know if this is a common like uh, answer, but the burgers are great. Yeah. But the fries, the fries <laughs> need some serious. Dude, work. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. 100%. Yeah. The Good fries, answer. the fries need some work. That's uh, animal, the correct answer. <laughs> thank you. An, animal style really doesn't do them justice. Uh, so if they worked on the fries and and kept the burgers the same, I think it'd be, you know, right up there with everything else. All right, he's fitting in LA perfectly. All right. <laughs> all right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That was our interview with Joe Sagri, as you just heard. Really appreciate you coming on, Josiah. That was a fun time. David, what are your takeaways from that interview? I know he mentioned in and out Yeah, I mean, he's got a good sense for L.A. already, for sure. Super humble, great guy. Seems like a good head on his shoulders. Uh, I'm excited to see him pitch for the Dodgers probably next year, I would guess. Uh, but who knows with this year? Yep. Uh, I mean, he, he certainly looked like he could handle the big stage in that exhibition against the Angels. Uh, so I'm looking forward to following his career closely. All right. Do you have anything to say, Jake? Yeah, I just, you know, my takeaway was, is uh, I asked him about which players he has started to learn from, which pitchers, and he mentioned David Price. And I think a lot of people have mentioned David Price, even though he's not pitched in a game yet in a Dodgers uniform in a regular season game yet. He's already had such a huge impact on this team, even from afar, even, you know, watching from afar or the, the contributions he made to the minor leaguers that we yep. saw and obviously his influence on the younger pitchers. So it's just, it's just really cool to see how much of an impact he's had so far on this organization and he's not even taken them out. Yeah. He's been a really supportive teammate so far. I know he's been texting some of his fellow starters before their games, just giving them some words of wisdom and advice. So, you know, when David Price gets to make that first appearance for the Dodgers, I think it's going to be really exciting. Well, now, this is the 2017 World Series rematch, and we didn't initially have this on the 2020 schedule, but thanks to all the craziness that went on, the Dodgers are flying into Houston to kick off a two-game series with the Houston Asterisks, the Lastros, whatever you want to call them. You guys can throw it out on the table right now because I know you guys probably have a lot to say about everything that this team's done to the Dodgers with their uh, immoral ethics. So, David, 
why don't you start it off? This is going to be a fun one. Uh, Verlander's out. Uh, he's out probably for the year, it sounds like, although they tried to do some damage control on that report. Um, but, you know, we're going to get to our first look at Bueller. Uh, I don't think they're going to throw at anyone. Uh, it's, that's just not Dave Roberts' style. 60-game season, I, you know, it's not going to be as anticipated as it would be in a, you know, a normal season with fans. Uh, but I would love nothing more than the Dodgers to just beat up on these bums for, t- for two games. Uh, they've had it coming to them for a long time. Uh, Bregman, Altuve, and Springer are not off to hot starts this year. I actually watched them all strike out in the ninth inning with a runner on scoring position the other day uh, against the Mariners. So we'll see. We'll see what version of these players we're going to get. Uh, hopefully the Dodgers offense picks up. I have no doubt Bueller will you know, do his thing, even though he's got a late start. Uh, so it's going to be fun, no doubt. It's going to look really weird. This is the first time the Dodgers are playing the Astros since the 2017 World Series, and it's in this environment. And I know we've talked about this before, but I just think that from a fan's perspective, not having the fans there is just a huge travesty because it, it really takes the, the, the fun out of, you know, being there, going to a game and watching these guys in person. Now on the other side, we wouldn't even have this game if not for uh, the pandemic. So you kind of have to, you know, weigh the pros and cons, but I'm excited to watch this series. I'm excited to see Walker Bueller. I really hope that the Dodgers have figured out whatever they need to figure out in these four games and can really just pummel these guys. It just, I, 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 you know, yes, two wins would be nice, but, but maybe one blowout or one, you know, close game. I just want two commanding victories. I want to go in there and show them that we're the superior team. And if we meet in the World Series, it's not going to be fun. We're going to beat you to a pulp. That's kind of how I feel about this about this series. And I know, I, having worked in Houston, I know the fans there. I know, I know a lot of good people that are Astros fans, but the majority of that fan base is trash. Yep. And I just, I just can't wait to um, to see the Dodgers beat up on them. Yeah. So. What's really interesting about this series is the Houston Astros, they're not going to be throwing anyone good at the Dodgers. The first game right now, it's lined up. Ramber Valdez is their starter, a lefty who had a 586 ERA with the team last year. So obviously Mookie Betts should be leading off in this game since it's a lefty. And I don't know who their next starter is going to be. Yeah, it was going to be Verlander, who's now probably going to miss the year with that elbow or forearm tightness. So... You know, and their be- next best pitcher was Zach Ranky, who's now throwing throwing like 87 miles an hour. So I don't yeah. think this team is as good, like I was saying, as people were trying to lead on. I know they were in the 2019 World Series, but I mean, this is this is like the Dodgers of the AL West, where they're going to be relying heavily on their offense. So if the Dodgers pitching does their thing, I'm confident the Dodgers bats are going to come through. Yeah, is, uh, I'm. Is May May pitching for? Yes, I was. That was my next point. Uh, Dustin May is going to be pitching on the 29th in Clayton Kershaw's spot. That matchup was supposed to be Clayton Kershaw versus Justin Verlander, uh, but we're going to get Dustin May instead. Um, and my my only point here is if Dustin May pitches like he did in the first game against this Astros lineup, you put him in the rotation for the rest of the year, no questions asked. This this rotation is looking. For a bright spot, there's opportunity galore, uh, but no one 
thus far, besides Dustin May, has really seized it. Obviously, Stripling has so far. Um, but Dustin May, if, if if he goes out there like he did on opening day, you keep him in the rotation for the rest of the year. That's, it's that Me, simple. it's his spot to lose. I hope that's the case. I it hope should it's be. His, yeah, I hope it's his spot to lose because we already saw with Alex Wood who – didn't prove to us that he is the Alex Wood of 2017 or 20, even 2018 Mm -hmm. so far. He, he didn't prove that to us. He still got sort of a guaranteed spot in the starting rotation based on pretty much nothing. And he goes out there and has a really, really poor outing against the giants. So to me, if Kershaw comes back I say the first guy to go is is Alex Wood and there's there should be no question about it and I really hope that they make the right decision and keep May in there if May keeps pitching like he is and just just some stats on the Astros so far this year so you guys know what's going on it's Springer is one for 11 Altuve is two for 10 and Bregman is three for 13 and none of them have an OPS over 650 Uh, so hopefully that stays true against the Dodgers uh, Michael Brantley has started off hot, so he's basically the guy that they need to keep tabs on so far. And they were facing and, Seattle. Yeah. And McCullough, McCullough's pitched well, that one of their one of their bright spots, but mm-hmm. we're not we're not going to be facing him anyway. So. Yeah. If you can pick one player on either side who you think is going to be the MVP of this two game series, who are you going to lean? I'm going to go Corey Seager. Um, this dude's been hitting the ball extremely hard i think he has seven or eight hard hit balls and only one of them have gotten fallen in for a hit uh he's hitting in bad luck right now uh but that's bound to turn around he's got to find some open space uh and get the ball in the gaps i think he'll have a big series yeah jake had a funny video i think where the dude got robbed of like two or three hits yeah yeah i mean it is a left-hander in the first game so that might not be the best pick uh but i think seager finds the holes to me, it's Mookie Betts, and I'll get to that in a second, but I just wanted to piggyback off David real quick about Corey Seager. The thing that really bothered me about the way that Seager got out in the Giants series was that it wasn't like these were like terrific plays, like, ooh, he got robbed. These were misjudged fly balls. They were terrible. It was like a look what I found. You got Darren Ruff running through the bullpen gate. Yeah. They were sloppy outs and I can't you know Corey Seager never shows any emotion really anyway unless he's like really pumped so I don't know what is going on in his head but in my head I was so frustrated for him that that's the way he got out so I think Corey Seager swing swinging the bat better than anybody on this on this squad if you know give or take Justin Turner but I I think he's I think he's gonna you know these balls are gonna fall he's gonna he's gonna have a really great season offensively but my pick is Mookie Betts. I just like I just like what he's what he's doing at the plate. Um, he he's not, you know, hitting all that well. But I like his at bats. I like his ability to get on base and create havoc. We have not had that in in Los Angeles for however long it's been. A true leadoff hitter, a guy. Well, he's obviously got tremendous power, but a guy that can get on base and steal bases and make things happen. And I and and just one more point on the on the batting lineup. When you've got Max Muncy leading off, and let's say let's say he walks or gets a single or whatever, and Mookie Betts doubles, that's not a guaranteed score. You're also not gonna you're also not gonna go first to third on a single with Max Muncy. So 
it's just there's a ton of problems with him leading off. Whereas if you have Mookie Betts leading off, he can steal a base, he can go first to third, he can score uh, from first on a double. And Max Muncy has the power to, you know, knock it out of the park or hit one in the gap and the Dodgers have an early lead. So that's another factor where I just really don't like this sort of switching off between righty and lefty. All right. And I'm just going to close it out. You picked my answer as well. Mookie Betts, just because he was batting 150 and it wasn't like he looked lost at the plate. He was making a lot of contact and you know, I think this is the series where he gets it going against some bad pitching. I think he'll hit one over that little short porch in Houston. Yeah, he's used to that. And and the uh, Astros, worth noting, I think they have eight rookies in their bullpen, which is just kind of astonishing. After the Astros series, you know, it's worth bringing up. They're going to face the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are uh, pretty big division rivals these days. And they're not going to face Madison Bumgarner as it lines up right now. They're actually going to face Robbie Ray, and Zach Gallen. So looks like we're not going to get that Max Muncy Bumgarner matchup. Maybe later in the season. <laughs> can hit it in the pool. I think it's the perfect time now to do a, our out of left field segment. I don't know if you guys have anything wild today, but I have one if you want me to start. Kick us off. All right. My out of left field today is national baseball broadcasts. <laughs> and I say yes. that. I say that because I'm dating back to now the NLDS to ESPN and Fox this year. They have been terrible. I think they're at an all-time low. Opening night with, uh, I can't even remember their name, but A-Rod, was A-Rod there? And no, Matt Baskersian? No, it was Eduardo yeah. Perez and Eduardo uh, Carl Ravage. Ravage. Yeah. Carl Ravage. Let's start, yeah, so let's start with that one. One of the most forgettable broadcasts I've ever seen. They had Matt Chapman interviewed for like 15 minutes who had no relevance to this game whatsoever. You could have interviewed any Dodger retired player or et cetera, and that would have made more sense than – Or just watch – or just talk about the game. Yeah. do that too. They were talking about all kinds of random subjects – and they, and they like were they, so they were so fixated on Johnny Cueto's motions. It's like every every national broadcast of Johnny Cueto is like, "Ooh, he's got these deceptive motions." It's like, no, already. I don't God. think they said one positive thing about Dustin May. No, nope. if, if you weren't actually watching the game, you wouldn't know that what Dustin May was doing. And then Saturday's game, you know, we had Joe Davis, thankfully, but AJ Przinsky. I don't understand how this guy is a colored commentator at all. He didn't bring anything to the game whatsoever. And when he was an actual player, I remember reading Sports Illustrated every year. There he was in the top five most disliked players in the game. And then last night, that was probably the icing on the cake. I'm a Matt Vaskersian fan for what it's worth, but he did have a lot of blunders I noticed in his broadcast. He would say some stats and say, this is what they're batting this year, but he was actually, it was actually 2019 stats. And then A-Rod, probably my least favorite color commentator of them all. I don't need little segments every time he faces a retired player. I don't give a damn. I don't need to see J-Lo coming to wish him a happy birthday in Bristol, Connecticut. Just, they need to step it up. I'm glad Mendoza's gone. I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of her, but they got to step up their game. Yeah, two things. I I would take Jessica Mendoza over A-Rod any day. Yep. And second thing is we don't care what A-Rod did in his career relevant to this game. They were trying to make that comparison to, like, literally everything and bring it back and be like, whoa, when I did this, and, oh, A-Rod, like, when I faced a submarine pitcher, it's like, 
No one's watching the game for A-Rod. I'm sorry. Right. Like, I don't care. And by the way, that submarine pitcher, his motion's nowhere near Chad Bradford. Yeah. Chad Bradford literally scrapes his knuckles on the mound. This guy, I mean, yes, he's a submariner, but he comes more from the side. It just didn't make any sense. And also, like, why are they running this tape of A-Rod just getting absolutely dominated? Like, it just made no sense. It was pretty bad all around. All right. Yep. That's all I got to say. All right. My out of left field is somewhat on the lines of uh, Blake's uh, when he came on the show last week. Uh, Airports. Why are airports the worst place on earth? Like, it's like people go to the airport and forget how to act like a human being. Everyone's antsy to get on their flight. Everyone's super – has anxiety. They're all – they need to hurry. It's all about me. Uh, they got their Sabaro and Cinnabon stuffing their face, taking their shoes off, putting their feet in your face. It's just, it's just people forget how to, how to act at airports. I hate flying to begin with, um, but airports are just the worst, maybe the worst place to go in society. Uh, I don't understand people who like to I, – I, I like traveling, but I don't understand people who actually like the act of traveling because uh, airports are disgusting they're gross. People act like animals. It's just all around a terrible experience. And I don't know why, why can't everyone just act like they would at a dinner party or at, when you're hanging out with your friend at the airport. But the second you get to the airport, you just forget how to act like a human being. It's, it's, it's an anomaly. Yeah. And, and just a little point there, just when someone brings on like the smelliest of foods. Yeah. If you bring fish on an airplane, that should be a felony. (laughs) But it's just even the pizza and or the burger. It's just and you're packed like sardines in there, and yeah, it's just not not good. It's not fun. Yeah. It's just overall just atrocious to be in an airport. Yeah, my I very good, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Kevin. Okay, I was just gonna say I have very good airplane etiquette. You know, I don't bring food on the airplanes. I keep my distance from people. I don't talk to anyone on the plane. I just let them do their thing. I don't move my seat back. I leave it as is just so I don't bother anyone. And, you know, I've been in some good airports. I've been in some bad airports and LAX, I think they got a lot better. That's all I wanted to say. So I know I like when people clap when the plane lands. I'm a (laughs) a big fan of that. They do that on like spirit air because there's a (laughs) chance that you could. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my out of left field, um, is concerning Florida, Florida slash Miami Marlins fans. I just have to say, even though that they, they, they won a a world championship in the late nineties. And again, in 2003, I just feel really bad for fans of this franchise because time and time again, they get really good talent. They put a really good team on the field. And then it seems like the next year they trade all of those assets away and then not too you know, long ago, Derek Jeter took over this club, completely dismantled it, traded away literally everybody. The only guy that they uh, had left like, was Starlin Castro or something like that. I mean, I just feel so bad. And now you've got Don Mattingly at the helm of this squad who actually looked pretty decent against the Philadelphia Phillies knew that they had a couple of guys that that tested positive for COVID-19 still decided to play the game. And and now they have even more 
uh, cases that are positive. I think like something like 11 cases of, of positive tests on this team. You've canceled uh, your, your game against the Orioles. Now the Phillies and Yankees can't play. It was a complete catastrophe. So I don't know what the heck's going on over there, but to me, it seems like if you have players that test positive for this virus, you should alert everybody and take them off the field so that you can do this contract, this contact tracing and get it under wraps. But I just feel bad for this franchise. It's like anytime they seem to be going in the right direction, something just comes and destroys them. Don Mattingly's the worst. <laughs> yeah, I Don Mattingly. Don Mattingly sucks, and I don't feel bad for Marlins fans, and I'll tell you why. They don't go to the games whether the team's good or bad. They had their Miami Heat in a finals, and the fans walked out with like six seconds to go, only to miss Ray Allen hit a game-tying three. Yeah, they're banging they don't, on the doors to get back. They there. don't care. Most of them don't care out there. You know, they have the Dolphins to cling on to. That's a respectable franchise. But other than that – Is it, though? It, it once was, but other than that – they continue to try to tank to get all their good draft picks. And then what do they do? As Jake said, they give them all away for nothing. It's like, what are you guys doing? Make up your mind. And that's the Marlins for you. All right. Anything else you guys want to say? All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning into the incline. We'll be back in another week with more Dodgers updates, news analysis, all that. You guys have a good rest of your week. Go Dodgers. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.